Hello and thank you for listening to episode 314 of 60MW. I'm Dave and this is another of our interview shows. And in this one I chat with the director Simon West all about his latest film Skyfire, which is released on DVD and digital on November the 23rd. It was great to have a little bit of time with Simon. I've been a big fan of him and his films, well, since his very first film, Con Air, which, yeah, of course, I have to uh, sneak a little bit of chat in about that. And yes, of course, regular listeners, you'll know, I have to ask at least one question about The Expendables 2. So you've got lots of stuff to hear about Skyfire, Con Air, Expendables 2, when I have a chat with Simon West. Well, thank you for joining me. It's uh, it's a pleasure to have a chat pleasure. with you. Uh, well, first of all, I watched our review copy of Skyfire a couple of weeks ago. I had a great time with it. So, uh, oh, good. Oh, good, yeah. Good. I loved it. I mean, I've been a fan of disaster movies. I think it stems back to my dad taking me to the cinema back in the 70s to watch Towering Inferno. And this, oh, I did the same thing. Same oh, thing. Yeah. That's it. And that, <laughs> that got me hooked on them. And Skyfire yeah. has everything that I want in a in a disaster movie. One, I mean, just one of the few things that it has that I, I really enjoy is when the characters are put into a position, and you're thinking, "How on earth are they going to get out of that?" And you, you're sat there as a viewer yeah. trying to figure it out. That must be so good for you as a filmmaker to be able to tease the viewers with all these situations going on, knowing that we're sat there. How how are they going to do this and get get out of that because yeah. there's a lot of those situations in Skyfire, isn't there? Yeah, well, that's a lot of the fun of it, though, is, and that's what I like about these sort of uh, the technical part of these films because obviously, you know, you have to have the emotional side and the and the characters, mm-hmm. but then, you know, as a director of these type of films, the most fun is when you come in and and have to uh, work out these sequences because quite often in the scripts they're quite simply written, you know, like they're on the edge of a cliff and you know they survive, and you have to then sort of work out, okay. What have I? What have elements have I got um, to play with? And then you add, you know, other elements into it. Um, and then, and of course, you know, as soon as you you want to feel that they're getting going to get out of it, then you want to have a second layer of oh yes, but this other thing came at them. So it's a it's a really good sort of uh, puzzle, and it takes weeks and weeks to work these things out. And you know, I draw storyboards, and then I'll talk to stunt people, and I say, you know, what's what's the coolest thing you can do for me if you were hanging off a of a you know a Land Rover of a cliff with lava coming down you know and and uh, what could go wrong you know and how would you get out of it you know would you go out through the windscreen would you go out the back what happens if you know the tires start melting and you, your mind starts you know coming up with it. you wake up in the middle of the night going oh it'd be brilliant if this happened or you know that uh, just when you thought they were going to get away you know there's another bit of bad luck and then there's a bit of good luck so it's a it's a sort of like working out a murder mystery, I suppose, but but a sort of on an action level. So um, it's very plotty and intricate, and like doing a big puzzle. And it's yeah. the, the thing I love the best, actually. It's you use the word fun there as well. And one again, one of the things I love about your movies is they're fun. There's all this action and there's danger on the screen, but there's always a sense of fun with them. Is is that something that you intentionally put into your films? Yeah, and I, I mean. It's the worst thing you can do with, I think, with the audience is sort of bore them. And so you, you also, my films are never very long. Uh, no matter how much I try, they never can get past like an hour and a half, 90 minutes, 95 minutes. And I, I've run out, you know, and it's not because I don't have all the resources or anything. I mean, I have tons of these. It's just for some reason, my natural um, pacing always comes out to be like 90, 95 minutes. And, um, and that goes to the fun side is that, you know, when I, came up I, I worked through all sorts of um, mediums I worked in documentaries and mm-hmm. drama um, current affairs 
you know, I went through the BBC training and, and, and I worked on all these different things. Then I went into music videos and then I went into commercials and from each one of those different things I did, I sort of pulled something, but out of all of them, you realize, you know, you just got to entertain the audience. And, and actually when I, you know, growing up, I, I was a big comedy fan. I loved all, you know, anything uh, comedic. And then um, when I did commercials, because most of the uh, commercials that, you know, have actors in and dialogue tend to be comedic. I ended up doing comedy commercials and I was doing like 25 comedy commercials a year. And uh, it was exhausting after a while. And after a while, it wasn't, it ceased to be fun. And so when I came to do my first film, I deliberately didn't choose a comedy, even though I was offered quite a few comedies. I deliberately chose an action film because I hadn't shot any action. I knew nothing about action. Um, and so it was more interesting, exciting to me. So I, I you know, turned up on Con Air um, to start that film. But of course, it's very hard to turn that comedy muscle off. So even though I'm on an action <laughs> film, my natural reflex is to keep putting gags in and bits of humor. And I just, I couldn't turn it off, even though I'd, you know, signed on to do a pure action film. It, it, it never ended up being that. It ended up really being more of a comedy with quite a lot of action in the background. And Con Air is one of my all-time favourite movies as well. It's one of those that I've watched endless times. And every time I watch it, it's still, it's just delightful to watch. It's such a, like Thank say, you, a yeah. fun and enjoyable film. And with that and with Skyfire as well, because there's so much action going on. Another thing I love about your films too, you can actually see what's going on. Because a lot of the films, there's the whole shaky cameras, there's the editing where it's three shots a second. There's so much going on mm. in Con Air. There's so much going on in Skyfire. But you can follow it easily as well, which is a big thing, especially for me as I'm getting older too. <laughs> I want to know what's going on on the screen. Yeah, well, I think that's what where you can get bored of action films and action sequences if you can't really follow it. And mm. it's just a montage of of you know noise and and because if you can't follow what's going on you disengage and so i always treat my action scenes as little short films on their own so even if you only showed that action sequence you, it has a beginning a middle and end and you understand the plot of the action sequence like we've got to get from here to there and we've got this to achieve but this gets in our way but and and so the audience can follow along with it and yeah. and be engaged because they can understand it and if you do too much shaky cam and two tight lenses and just uh, onslaught of sound mm -hmm. you just lose interest and so i've always been a big proponent of of um stepping back a bit and making sure um you know you can understand what's going on and, and also it makes it makes you work a bit harder because what has to go on has to really work yeah a lot of that shaky cam so is to cover up stuff that isn't really <laughs> that spectacular or isn't really impressive and and or if it is, well, we wouldn't know because it's all, you know, shaking and blurry. So um, it just definitely, you know, have to plan stuff very carefully and you can't just make stuff up because, which I think happens to a lot of you know, huge action films, you just keep shooting and shooting endless action and you're sort of making up as you go along. And you can't do that if, you, if you're standing back and watching it because the audience will spot it and they go, what the hell, you know, mm, yeah. that doesn't make sense. You know, what, what, why are they going there? What? So yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of the action uh, has to make sense and follow and, and, and not too long as well because, you know, you get exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> and there's some, <laughs> there's some incredible action set pieces. Like you say, I mean, the beginning of the film is great because it sets up the characters. It makes you care for the characters, which then 
leads you through when the action kicks off. You, you really care about what happens to them. But one of the big set pieces in it, and I was amazed about this. I listened to Jason Isaacs doing an interview with uh, Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo the other day. The monorail sequence, which he said apparently was was going to be just a, a Land Rover that was going up the side. Yeah, then... yeah, yeah. But that's yeah, the original script. They just drive up to the top of the volcano in a Land Rover, and then they just drive down again. And I was going, well, that's not going to do, is it? I mean, so... I came up with, I had to invent this whole sequence wow. of what's a what's a more exciting thing that can happen to get down um, and put more people in jeopardy. And that's one of the things you sort of have to invent. And I think, well, my fantasy is, you know, I love those sort of Disneyland monorails yeah. and sort of, you know, pseudo future thing. And I'm, and I'm a big fan of sci-fi. And, and so I try and sneak a bit of that in there. And um and so then you, now you've got two storylines. You know, you've got the Land Rovers trying to make it down with one group of people, and then you've got your other um, uh, you know, characters in a monorail that's out of control and everything's going wrong. And then suddenly you give me a monorail, I've got a million gags I can do with that. What's going to go wrong with it? <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, there's so many ideas come flooding out of that. So, yeah, that was a, a, one of the uh, additions and um, inventions for the, uh, for the film that wasn't in the script. It's such a great mixture as well, all the way through the film, of obviously you're going to need some CG elements because it's so spectacular, everything going on, but there's a lot of practical work that you did in the film too, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I'm always a big proponent of trying to do as much in camera as possible. And if you go back to, you know, Con Air again, that was right on the cusp of CGI coming yeah, in. And yeah. so everything in, in um, Con Air is done for real. You know, it's real aeroplanes flying over Vegas, real um, helicopters and real cars crashing and everything, everything's in camera. And I try to carry that on as much as possible through my other films, um, because even though it may not be so fantastical, the audience, I think, is more invested because they can see that it's really happening. And the audience can tell the difference between CGI yeah, yeah. And, and no matter how good it is. Um, you know, they can still enjoy it as a cartoon, but um, it's still never like the real thing. And so, obviously, with a volcano, I could, that was, you know, there are certain things you can't do practically... Um, a volcano exploding, but wherever possible, I put the actors in the middle of flame, heat, wind, <laughs> dust. So they look, you know, like they're going through it, and they were. It was, you know, yeah. it's hideous conditions. It's it's really hot, and, and we're in Malaysian jungle anyway. And then you're sort of letting explosions off and fire and ash and everything, and so it looks real. So really, the amount of CG that comes in is really only sort of enhance and do the things that absolutely is impossible, like a mountain exploding, but everything else I try to do um, in cameras for real, because it, it is just more realistic. And for anybody listening as well, that, that doesn't know, of course, it's a foreign language film as well. There's Jason Isaacs who, who speaks the, most of the, the English language in the film. So I take it that added another layer of, of, of work mm -hmm. for you as well. Yeah, well, actually, I shot it in two languages, and and so it depends which version you watch, because there's two out there. There's a purely Chinese version and the English um, version, which has some Chinese in it. And so I shot all the dialogue scenes twice, wow. which was a whole new uh, experiment, which is, you know, you, I shot them once in English with the actors, because... Um, most of the actors were completely bilingual. So I'd shoot it in uh, English and then we'd shoot it again in Chinese. And then um, two of the actors, Jason um, couldn't speak much Chinese, even though we taught him some. <laughs> and then we had another great actor um, 
Xu uh, Qi Wang, who you might know from um, uh, Iron Man, and he couldn't speak English. But they have a scene together, and they both speak in their own language, and we, we sort of set it up that they can understand the other person's language. But because they're so proud and, and um, you know, trying to uh, control the conversation, they only stay in their own language. But that was a, a very um, interesting um, you know, uh, task for me was to shoot a film in two different languages at the same time. Um, so it was, uh, it was very, it was tricky at times, but actually after a while, we, you know, you get into the swing of it. And I know we're coming up to our time and I don't want to go over the time, Simon. And uh, again, I just want to reiterate that I had such a good time watching Skyfire. It did fantastic at the Chinese box office too. And I hope everybody listening to this goes and watches it and has as, as much fun watching it as I did. But I know regular listeners to the show well, no, I've just got, I've got to ask you one Expendables 2 question, which is my favourite. Oh, yeah. It's my favourite Expendables <laughs> film as well. We're, yeah. we're similar in age, Simon. So, of course, we've got the same pop culture touchstones as we as yes. were growing up. And you've, you've probably been asked this many times before as well. But if, if you could have put, if you had free reign to put one more person into the Expendables 2, who, who would it have been? Uh... I would, I would, I would still put Nick Cage in it. I think because it's such an outrageous environment. Um, Nick would have just had a blast in that place, and I could have had such fun with him. Um, and uh, we were, we could have done sort of Conair references and all that. I mean, I would love to have put him in it because he would have, he would probably have stolen the show because, um, <laughs> you know, he that's what he does. But uh, I'd like to put him in. Oh, I love you even more now, Simon, because that's who, exactly <laughs> who I would have picked him for just those reasons as well. Yeah. Uh, well, I wish you every success with Skyfire, every success with, with movies going forward. I always enjoy watching your films, as I said, and so I hope you make many, many more because I'm looking forward to watching them. So thank you for giving me your time today, Simon. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Dave. Nice to talk to you. You too. Thank you. And the alarm bell, as always, brings to an end another interview show. If you enjoyed this one, there's lots more interview shows on our website with actors, directors, producers, people from the music industry, people from the video game industry. Please go to our website and have a look at all of the stuff that's on there, the podcasts, the news, the reviews, and much more. All you have to do is go to 60mw.co.uk. There's a contact us form on there if, as well if you want to get in touch with us, or you can email us direct, which is contact at 60mw.co.uk. Thank you for listening to this. Lots more interview shows incoming, as well as all the other shows that we do. And we'll be back again very soon.